Coming up this week, off screen. Ken Loach takes on Conservative Britain with I, Daniel Blake. Jack Reacher never goes back. We return to the world of Ouija for The Origin of Evil. The Chess World crowns the Queen of Catway. The trolls hit the big screen. Bullets fly as we try keeping up with the Joneses. The world meets a brand new hero in Phantom Boy. An eight mile goes Iranian with Sunita. All those to come and more, off screen. This is... This is Offscreen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. So we should start before we get to the film news, uh, roundup of reviews, the box office top ten, all the fun that everyone tunes into this show for. I love fun. It's we my love favorite. fun. Fun is a good thing. It's good to Isn't be into it? fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we should start, of course, by, t- by revealing uh, the latest news about a project that I think we're both quite excited about, which is Mary Poppins Returns. Oh yeah. This is going to be. I am be... looking forward to this. Oh, I am as well. This is. We sound like member berries from South Park when we do. This. <laughs> oh, remember Mary Poppins? <laughs> I remember. Um, so Mary Poppins Returns. Is going to be out apparently for Christmas 2018. This yeah. is going to be the big thing. Mm-hmm. Which which Star Wars movie is that one going up against? Then is that going to be the, that's uh, the Han Solo? The Han Solo. Han Solo so yeah. Mary Poppins is going to face Han Solo. I've always wanted to see that. <laughs> that that's a, that's a team up movie. Forget yeah. Batman Superman. Mary Poppins v Han <laughs> Solo, Solo versus Poppins. Yeah, <laughs> that works. But uh, yes, yeah, so it's got a hell of a cast coming up. It's got Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. Yeah, it's got that's Meryl, great. That's great. It has, it's great. Yeah. It's got Meryl Streep as her cousin because that that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Topsy. Topsy. Topsy Topsy Poppins. Topsy Poppins. And of course, our man, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Hamilton star himself, he is going yes. to be a lamplighter, I believe. Yeah, I've forgotten his character name. I, yeah, I have as well. He's going to be a lamplighter. But this is going to be set in Depression-era London. The Banks kids have now grown up. They're Ben Whishaw and Emily Mortimer, mm. news which made me very happy, because Emily Mortimer, yay. And now, of course, because a film can only be so British before it gets this man involved, mm. and I'm not talking about Peter Mullen, that's a film can only be so Scottish, so Scottish before yeah. you get Peter Mullen. This film can only be so British <laughs> before it gets none other than Colin Firth. Who's Amazing. Gonna, yeah, he's going to be a shady bank manager. He's going to work at the uh, Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. Is that a bank from the first movie? Yes, it is. It is. It's, it's in the song, isn't it? It is in the song. That's why I remember. Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. I don't remember Mary Poppins as a film, I, but I do remember... Watch uh, it saving, this Christmas, I will man. this Christmas, yeah. but I remember Saving Mr. Banks more than I remember Mary Poppins. I really enjoyed Saving Mr. Banks. I love yeah. that film. It's I find so it really good. strange that uh, Mary Poppins has become a little bit of a Christmas New Year tradition it kind it's of nothing, has nothing to it? do with christmas in the film but people always watch it around that time i think i think i think that's more to do with the 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 you know the feel good factor more than yeah. anything else i think it's because it's a nice comforting film it feels like it, it belongs it's, at christmas. it's like eating seven large uh, christmas cakes or eaten yeah. messes or eaten <laughs> messes yeah. it's like eating eaten messes eating eaten messes <laughs> but uh, yeah there is something about it isn't there but uh, yeah. also, you know, that Dick Van Dyke accent never gets old. Let's let's be really honest with that. It is endearingly naff. <laughs> it is endearingly <laughs> naff. So, um, from a film that can only be so British, let's go to a film that can only be so Ken Loach, mm. and let's do the first review of the week, which is none other than I, Daniel Blake, which you can't have missed the 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 the, the buzz around this. Because this came off the back of Cannes this year, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, it won the Palm Door. It I won believe, the Palm yeah. Door, and it won the Palm Door for Ken Loach. It, he's gotten a lot of sort of lifetime achievement awards as well in, in the last mm. year or so. So there is a feeling with going into this film that it's going to be 
kind of the definitive Ken Loach film, that this is going to be the biggie. His most Loachian. His most Loachian. And you know yeah. what? That does come up at times. This is a very much a story for our times that only Ken Loach could have done, in which you have a 59-year-old carpenter named Daniel Blake, who's mm. played by Dave Johns, who you might know from panel shows and things like that. He's more of a comedian. This mm. is his first actual acting role. He's typically a comedian. And uh, he is um, he has a heart condition. He is medically unfit to work, but according to the DWP, is fit to work. So he's in that sort of limbo period. I mean, how of our times is this? Um, that, you know, the, the, the job centre are trying to force him to work. He is unfit to work. He's in that limbo period yeah, in between. It is, it is addictive of our times, is, isn't it? Is, the yeah. thing, is it called Atmos, that that, uh, that scheme whereby so many people have died under it? There is it's an anagram and in, yeah, in real life Britain. Yeah, I forget yeah. what it stands for, but yes. He yeah, is, so. Basically, he is in, in this sort of limbo, and he befriends a young mum from London, a young single mum, played by Hayley Squires, who moves to Newcastle because it's the only place she can get a council house, and she is starving, her kids are starving, they're forced to rely on food banks. They are the definition of destitution in Cameronian Britain, which is a term I'm just going to keep using because I like the term Cameronian. Uh, <laughs> Cameron's so, Britain. <laughs> exactly. So, here's a clip. You must commit yourself to spending 35 hours a week looking for work. Now, that can be newspapers, agencies, and online via the Universal Job Match, but you must prove that you've done this as well, mind. I've been told by my doctor I'm not supposed to go back to work yet. Then you should apply for employment and support allowance. I have. I've been knocked back by some quack and now I'm trying to appeal. Okay, well, that's your choice, Mr Blake. No, it's not my choice. I've got another form of income. Welcome back, Ken Loach, with a story that only Ken Loach could possibly do. This reminded me an awful lot of... Uh, do, you remember, do you remember Hector? Was that the beginning of this year? Yeah, I actually watched it the other day. It's on, uh, on Netflix. Is it? Did you enjoy yeah. it? I really enjoyed it's it. It's so... Peter under- Mullen, though. Peter yeah. Mullen. Yeah. This is the thing, <clears throat> because this film feels like if you, you, could, you could have gotten Peter Mullen to do this as well, and it would yeah. have worked just as well. Um, this has a lot of overlap with Hector in some, in some regards, as particularly as regards his depiction of uh, poverty in in modern Britain. Um, Dave Johns is absolutely spectacular in this. Hayley Squires as well, absolutely spectacular. Mm. But the real strength of it comes from the writing of it. Now, this is uh, Ken Loach teaming up with Paul Laverty again, and he's worked with Paul Laverty a few times. But what they've done here is they've managed to find the perfect balance between the absolute morbid misery that is a Ken Loach film and the weird real life, you know what, it's so tragic, it's funny kind of a humour that runs mm. through it all. And this is the funniest Ken Loach movie since The Angel's Share. And um, I enjoy that. I, I yeah, did as well. I'm, I'm usually not a fan of Ken Loach, but yeah, I really enjoy that. Film. I remember a few weeks ago you said, I'm, I'm not seeing that because I have no interest in the Ken Loach. Fair enough. Like, Angel Share. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Well, this is say, they've worked together a few times in the last couple of years Angel Share, Jimmy's Hall, now this. Um, really, really well balanced film for the most part. It is let down by one key factor. What is that? And that key factor is Ken Loach, who just gets to a stage not twice. once, I know, gets to a stage not once, but twice, where he just can't help himself. And you think, okay, you're wearing your political leanings on your sleeve, proud for all to see, that's fine. But there is then an element, not once, but twice, in which the story then takes these weird, off-kilter detours into completely out-of-character, tonally offbeat territory. We just think... I, I kind of know why you did it. It's to prove a point, but it doesn't fit with the realistic and gritty tone that you've gone for elsewhere. It feels forced. It feels like a film now and less like a reality. 
And that ruined it for me because until those points, I was really on board. I thought, this is great. Welcome back, Ken. I can see why you got a palm door. Bully for you, sir. But no, it's just, I mean, one of them is the very end of the film. You think, what? And yeah, it just feels it. The thing is, the production of it is astounding. Do you know anything about how they've made this? Uh, No. Right. The actors were only given uh, their scenes on the day. They did not know what was coming. Oh, this is the idea. They were, they were given yeah. two hours to learn the, what the was going to come that stuff, day. Yeah. To keep it, and it was shot and cut in chronological order, to keep it as realistic and nuanced as possible. Uh, there is a scene involving a food bank where only Hayley Squires was aware of what was going to happen. Mm. And it's filmed in an actual food bank with the actual food bank <laughs> staff. And no one knew, bar Hayley Squires, ahead of time, what was actually going to happen. So Dave Johns' reaction is completely genuine. You're like, wow, this is great. It's pretty realistic, because it's, it's almost... Re- that is as close to being real as you can get, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And these scenes... I mean, the food bank scene is is, is spectacular. It is... I mean, it, it's probably the most Ken Loachian uh, moments of Ken Loach's career. But... <laughs> still in keeping with it and not like those other two mm, plot movements which just really really don't work uh, i did enjoy it i really did i i was amazed by how emotionally invested i was i was amazed at how much i was laughing and i was amazed at the performances on display and there's two young child actors who play Haley squires as uh, children and they are terrific they're really really good i mean i i would recommend this to you genuinely if you like the angel share there's a lot of humor in this that owes a debt to yeah. angel share um so check it out on the those grounds, I think you're going to like it, but it does have that overlap with Hector. If you can sit through Hector and really enjoy that, I did really enjoy that. Then, yeah, welcome back, Daniel Blake. You know, this is this is definitely one for you. Then I will definitely check it out. Uh, we better start uh, plugging this year podcast. Oh, this year podcast. This year podcast. Yep. Okay, because we've got a couple of films that we can't fit in this week, mm. so we're going to do uh, Sunny to uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses and Phantom Boy in the podcast extras instead, because we can't fit them in the show. We are but men. We are but two men. <laughs> but two men. Yeah. But one one and a half. I'm very sure. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty tall. I'll, I'll count myself as two. Okay, you count yourself as we, we one are, and a half. We are indeed half. two and a half men. So if you want the uh, the full and extended version of the show with all the trimmings, uh, just pop on to Acast, Deezer, iTunes, tune in, pick your podcast app of choice, go search off screen, and it's all in there, and you get all the extra stuff after the end credits and our moment of cage. Mm-hmm. Which and I got you a good one this week. Don't worry. Oh, I can't wait. I, you, I got, you always. You I got always you covered. Me. You I got you back. covered, dog. By the way, speaking of Nicolas mm. Cage, I finally got to see the trailer the other day for you. USS Indianapolis. See, I've still not seen that. Well, this is the thing, because it's the, it's the monologue from Jaws turned into a movie. How awesome is that? I mean, I've always wanted to see that. Yeah. And who better to make a movie than Nick Cage? And Mario Van Peebles directing. Mario Van Peebles. Pe- Peebles? Peebles. Peebles. Mario Van Peebles directing. That's going to be awesome. But yeah, podcast edition. Check that out. Do you want to give, give me a bit of film news to take us to the bridge? What we got? Paddington. Two. Oh, I heard about this. I'm really, really excited. So this is some more British film casting news. We have got the returning cast, first of all. So we've got um, got Hugh Bonneville. Hugh Bonneville as my dad, Sally Hawkins as my mum. Ben Wishaw as the voice of Paddington. Peter Capaldi, I heard, is returning as well as the curmudgeonly neighbour. Mr. Curry, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Jim Broadbent Jim Broadbent. So who who are we adding to the mix this time? Okay, we were talking about uh, Colin Firth being the most British person. Go on. I will raise you a Hugh Grant. (laughs) Oh, I think that's taking the needle well past the end of the gauge right there bit. that's way past the British gauge and how, how about uh, some uh, some Brandon Gleeson some, well. Brandon, some Gleason. Brandon Gleeson 
Is he Irish? He's Irish. I can never remember if he's... It's because I remember him predominantly from Braveheart that I can't... <laughs> play, yeah. He plays Scottish. That's fair enough. Yeah, they're, they're both going to be joining uh, the cast. Uh, that's actually already started uh, shooting. Yeah, I saw yeah, this. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, um, yeah, as far as I know, Hugh Grant's going to be playing a washed-up actor. A vain actor, a which vain is actor. fantastic, called uh, Phoenix Buchanan. Oh, my God. Which that's, is great. I feel and, like uh, you could only have topped that with uh, with uh, Kenneth Branagh. That's the only way you could have topped that. I oh think. my god! Yeah, just just playing his character from from Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Well, I always I always wanted Hugh Grant to get that role in Chamber of Secrets. That would have been good. But you know, yeah. Cabo, we love Cabo. We we love a bit of Cabo. And uh, Brendan Gleeson's character is uh, Knuckles McGinty, who is a uh, <laughs> Knuckles an, McGinty. Knuckles McGinty, uh, a notorious uh, safe cracker and a strong man. I love it. I love it. So I can't Paddington wait. Two. Really good. This is Christmas next year. Next I believe. year. Yeah, yeah. So pretty soon. Can't wait. Loved the first one. Let's come back after the jump with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen the on-screen radio show and we're back by the way speaking of jurassic mm. world uh the sequel for jurassic world to uh, jurassic world 2 yes. did you know uh this is gonna be filming in the uk i, I didn't yeah I didn't realize yeah, yeah i did and apparently it's going to actually feature dinosaurs in sort of the real in the human inhabited world rather than some remote locations so we might actually get to see a t-rex in the uk i mean if, if in, you, in london i would i would imagine i, would hope so. on, I mean if you could on a, on, a, on a bus in the thames yeah, the if you can get dominic toretto <laughs> to london you can get an indominus <laughs> rex i mean that's that's child's play that is a crossover i want to see <laughs> Aren't they both by Universal as well? They are. They oh, really come are. on, Ben. Make that work. Oh, Make man, that, that cinematic universe sells itself, doesn't it? <laughs> so let's uh, let's crack on with the top ten real quick. We'll get the first half of the top ten done and dusted. Number ten. American Honey. Which, I'm amazed this even entered the top ten, but it was Slim Pickens mm. last week. Yeah, we didn't have too many brand new films. We no, had this and Inferno and more on that later. Yeah, but this was overlong, not particularly interesting. The cast are all... Pretty good, actually. But the problem was that the material was nowhere near as good as the performances. Number nine. At 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Finding Dory. Wow. Is there anything left to say now on this? It's great. I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray for everyone that I know for Christmas. Exactly. It's yeah. you know, Who doesn't love it? <laughs> so people stop seeing it at the cinema so it can come to Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Can we all stop seeing it now so that we can own it finally, please, yeah. someone? Number eight. Magnificent Seven, which I liked, I didn't love, and you know what? It's got Antoine Fuqua's action movie flair. It's, it's got, a Fuqua film. It's a Fuqua film. It's got Denzel with his, you know, his usual level of Denzel fueled badassery. Mm. It's got Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt, and the thing yeah. is, Chris Pratt wanders into this film with a certain level of swagger that we now just expect from Chris Pratt because at mm. some point, Chris between three movies, Chris <laughs> Pratt became the movie star. Yeah, and I I don't know, like I can't remember that ever happening. Three movies in such a short amount of time, and he's now the movie well, star. They were three pretty big movies. They were. I mean, yeah. if you whack on uh, Guardians two, that means he'll be four for four years. He'll That's own it, four yeah. summers, basically. I mean, we should talk about a trailer for that. We, in we podcast we, extras. We definitely should. Number seven, Deepwater Horizon, which I've seen. Go on, lay this on me, guys. So, um, what did you what did you make of this? Did you did you get your fill of slow motion American flags? I really really did. <laughs> it was everything that I wanted. There was an ocean on fire. There was Kurt Russell who was like his eye was all. How much did oh, you love Kurt great. Russell in this? He's so, so good, Mr. Isn't he? Jimmy. Mr. Jimmy, Mr. Jimmy, that's Jimmy. it. You love Mr. him, Jimmy. Boy. 
I there's something like it feels like they have spliced Kurt Russell with the personality of Nick Offerman for this oh, movie. A little bit. Is a that because bit. of the stash? It could be the stash. I think it's just it the could stash, be. But um, the only thing I didn't get on board with was the end obligatory in memoriam section, which seems to just be part and parcel of every single film that Peter Berg makes. But that just makes me feel like a bad person for saying that. Well, that feels like what you what, what you get with a Peter Berg movie. And that's just his thing now. Number six. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Which I liked a lot more than I expected to. It's, yeah, he's uh, two for two, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, uh, what from Big Eyes to this, mm. and this is basically his X-Men, and Big yeah, Eyes was... Much. I suppose Big Eyes could be compared to something like uh, Ed Wood, in, in one sense. You yeah. could compare it to that, the corruption of the... Crea- the, the exterior corruption of the creative soul, for instance. Mm. And then you get this, which is he's going and he's doing the sort of superhero element. I feel like it's... Um, I feel like Miss Peregrine is almost a, 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 a counterpoint, like a, a reaction to why haven't you done a superhero movie in the modern era? And he's like, this is it. And he's like, well, I kind of invented this modern superhero movie, so, you know, I'm just going to do this, show you I still got it, and I'm going to leave it there. Don't need Marvel, don't need DC. <laughs> but, yeah, it works for me. It does, yeah. Right, uh, let's uh, let's stick with this kind of theme. Go on, then, what Let's you got? stick with Tim Burton. Okay. Tim Burton made a film about, uh, about Willy Wonka. Let's, he did, didn't yeah. he? Not a great one. Not a great one. So maybe that's why one of us wants to make a brand new one. Well, thankfully it's not a remake, though, I'm, I'm, I'm it's, guessing. It's not. It's uh, it's going to take the character of Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not been billed as like uh, an origin story, but it's going to be a solo adventure movie. Do you think this is going to have anything to do with how he encountered the Oompa Loompas? Because that oh, has always... So. That hinted at that in the book. That would be a great film. Yes, yeah. absolutely. In the book, they hinted at that because mm. he freed them from a race of uh, you know, oppressive race, apparently. Yeah, why is that oppressive? Well, I will look that up. They, I think we'll they, they were like jungle slaves in the book, I think mm. it's, it's referred to. And So he, he liberates the... Is this going to be like a free state of Wonka? Oh, man, that's what it's going to be. Free state of Wonka. Free state of Wonka. Oh, that's your title man. right there. Get David Yates to direct it because it's one of us. I've got it. Exodus, Chocolatiers and Kings. Oh my God, it works. Can yeah, I... but Ridley Scott ain't touching that. No, no, Ridley Scott for this one. Well, this is David Heyman, the Paddington and Harry Potter producer. Exactly, yeah. He's producing this through. And, and you know what? I never thought that Paddington was going to be as good as it was. No, Paddington was so much better than we all expected. So I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Can I put out the. Can I start the fan, the fan outcry right now? Let's get David Tennant for Willy Wonka. Let's do this. I it's think got a Scottish guy. Well, Scottish guy. Yeah, I can I mean, see that. Can we've, see that. we've seen that David Tennant can do well in a purple suit. He, so. he can rock the purple. <laughs> he can rock the purple. I'm just <laughs> Maybe saying. not as evil and creepy. No. <laughs> Jessica, this time. Jessica! Jessica! <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I think Willy Wonka, as played by David Tennant, in, yeah. an, origin, in an origin movie that shows him how he freed the Umpa Lumpers, mm. that's a movie I would totally see. Absolutely. But uh, okay, right. So from uh, one uh, film adaptation to a sequel, so one film adaptation. It's, t- it's still an adaptation. It's an adaptation. That's true. Uh, Jack Reacher never go back. How was it? Oh well, I, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll I'll play. I'll do the setup in the clip, and then I'll tell you exactly how it was. So this is the second in the cinematic Jack Reacher series. It's the eighteenth in the literary series, <laughs> but the second in. But the, the second in. Yeah. And uh, what they're doing is they've combined elements from the three novels that come before, because there was a relationship established right. over the course of several mm. novels that we get in basically a month montage at the beginning of this film. Yeah, I quite enjoyed the first one. No, I yeah. didn't. I, I thought the, the, the first one was very middle of the road, very... I mean, it was this... Tom Cruise wants to do his Mission Impossible stuff. He wants to do the, the more physically intimidating side yeah. of the Mission Impossible stuff, but he doesn't want to do a big spectacle movie, and he wants the NCIS audience on board. And so you got, let's adapt that. Yeah. He's... The, the, obviously, the big thing is that the fan base have no interest in these films because mm. the fan base are kind of still so annoyed that they've cast <laughs> that someone... Casting, yeah. 
who's such who's the antithesis of so the character. In, in the books, Jack Reacher is meant to be John pretty, Cena. Essentially, he's, he's described a, as basically looking yeah. like John Cena, big blonde John Cena. Yeah, big yeah. blonde John Cena. And imagine these movies with John Cena, and you could really be onto something. Mm. This sequel um, sees him for, basically referring to the title "Never Go Back." He goes back to his old military stomping grounds when his over-the-phone buddy, who's played by Kobe Smulders, and she is basically redoing the Avengers part here. That's, okay. that's basically she is it. Maria Hill. She's Maria Hill yeah. again. Uh, when she is falsely accused of a crime. And he goes back and basically has to, you know, uh, to prove her innocence. But he himself is then accused of a crime as well. And he also then finds himself the subject of a paternity suit because there is a, a woman who's alleging that her 15-year-old daughter is his. And somewhere in the middle of all this is a ruthless hitman who drives a Maserati. And he's one of those weird movie hitmen who never shoots anyone. He prefers to beat them to death. And... <laughs> You know, that kind yeah, of make absolutely I, no I sense. I definitely never type. Yep. And, yeah, here's a clip. Two things are going to happen in the next 90 seconds. Excuse me? First, that phone over there is going to ring. Second, you're going to be wearing these cuffs on your way to prison. <laughs> well, that is one magnificent prophecy, Mr. Reacher. She's going to keep on ringing. Sheriff Raymond Wood. Who the hell are you? The guy you didn't count on. Now, credit where it's due. Uh, this is directed by Edward Zwick, uh, mm. with whom he previously collaborated on uh, The Last, last Samurai. Samurai. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was the last one was Chris McQuarrie. And yes. uh, now, Chris McQuarrie has gone over to the Mission Impossible franchise now because he did the last one, he's doing the next one. Yeah. Has, um, has he done the screenplay for this, by any chance? I'm not. I, do you know offhand? I don't remember. I can, I can look that up as we go. Mm. Um, this has a lot more action movie flow, a lot more action thriller flow. Uh, Edward Zwick does bring a lot more energy to it than. than uh, his mm. predecessor, the Macquarie, did. Um, this is oh yeah, yeah. Edward Zwick is is on the screenplay as well with Richard Richard Wink. So can we call all of his films Zwick flicks? Zwick flicks. Zwick you're flicks. Totally, totally cool. Zwick flicks. Yep. We, we're going with that. Um, the thing with this is it is still a gormless two part NCIS season finale, and there are obvious elements to it where you just think that it feels like you've gone for this. They've gone for the most personal of all the Jack Reacher novels as as its sequel, presumably to to sell the character more than the series. And the weird thing is, it does feel, it feels tired all the way through. It has more energy than the first movie, yet at the same time, it reminds you how kind of tired the first movie was. I don't really see there being a franchise. There will not be a Jack Reacher, put it that way. And Which is a shame, because that is a great title. It is a great title. It's not as good as Two Manji, but it, it, it's on there. And the problem is, you do sit there and think, oh, really, it's just another Tom Cruise is a hard man. No, no, no. Tom Cruise is doing some running. Yet, oh, oh, oh. Oh, there is. There, does does he run? I, there is. I promise you, there is a moment in this. You know the Washington Tom, Monument. Tom Cruise is to running what Sam Rockwell is for, to just dancing. To around. twitching. <laughs> to twitching. Yeah. You know the Washington Monument, the the, the, the column in front of uh, yeah, the Lincoln Memorial. I've been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is a moment in this film in which, whilst on the run as a fugitive, yeah. uh, Jack Reacher and Kobe Smulders character just just leg it down that body of water. Just peg it. And you start, and you start thinking, why? Why? You're just drawing more attention. You're running for no reason. There's nobody literally chasing you. 
all you're doing is drawing attention to yourself, presumably because Tom Cruise had to have running yeah. in his contract. He had to show off his quads. Yeah. If you are of the I love NCIS persuasion, which, let's be honest, is most people over a certain age, you're probably going to get on board with this, and it's perfectly fine, and, you know, it has the brutal stunts and everything. And the problem is, if you're not, you're just going to be bored by this. This feels, at best, like a TV movie that mm. just happens to star Tom Cruise. It's an overcooked TV two-part finale. It is better than the first one, though. Although, for me, that's a low bar. And I know you mm. liked it a lot more than I did. I did but... I did like it. I don't know if that is mainly because of the uh, fact that the bad guy was played by Werner Herzog. <laughs> there is that. That was my favourite thing about it. Every film could have a bad guy played by Werner Herzog. I will wrap it up with this one with this one yeah. weird little thing about it. Hit me. Which is, you know the first movie had that weird continuity error where Tom Cruise's height kept changing? Mm. Like, between shots, yeah. even. In, in the same scene, between shots, Tom Cruise's mm. height would shift when he was stood next to Rosamund Pike because the box they were getting him to stand on they kept giving him different ones i never knew why they have they've fixed that this time that's not there they've come up with a new continuity error what's that and it screams reshoots which is quite simply his hair length changes in in the same scene in different shots it's so weird you watch is it is it like a kate mara fantastic four it's not as bad as it's that. not quite that bad that's pretty but that's it's, it's, it's close <laughs> I, I just feel like this is going to be the staple if this is going to become a franchise i feel like this is going to be the staple of it there has to be a random continuity yeah. error in each season but you know what i'll take hair length over height at least with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen and we're back so let's move on to uh well well, we'll let the button take it away for us Yes, trolls are here. Did you love that? Did you love the troll hunter reminder there? <laughs> do, do you want it again? It's, it's one of my second favourite uh, troll references in film. Let's have it again. Yeah. I love me some trolls, sir. Just coincidentally, my second, uh, my, my first favourite is uh, from the first um, uh, of the Harry Potter films. Oh, yeah. yeah. Troll in the dungeon. <laughs> oh, man. I should have thought of that. We could have used that one as well. Use that next week when it's in the top ten. Yeah, okay. So we'll just, we'll just keep alternating the troll buttons for the we'll top ten. <laughs> so buttons. based on the very popular toys of the 1960s and 1970s and 1990s, because these toys went away and kept coming back over the decades, it seems. Did we, are you are you old enough to have gone through the troll thing in the 90s? Did you did you have that? Yeah, just about. I think I was about seven or eight when I trolls can, came back again. I can remember that they were in, like, there were prizes in cereal boxes. Yeah, there yeah. was the pencil, the pencil toppers. The pencils, yeah, pencil yeah. toppers. And, you know, the small naked trolls with the massive hair. And they are now a film franchise. They've been rejigged and redesigned for, you know, 21C or 2K, 2K16. Mm. And they now, for instance, they now have actual, uh, what, do they, what do they call it? Pastel coloured skin, for instance, that complements their hair colour and things like that. Yeah. They have celebrity voices. They sing. They dance. They do all the things you expect of an animated film. Although, wait for it, because this gets really dark really quickly. Turns out, the story for this iteration of the trolls is the troll race lives entirely within a troll tree which is in the centre of a village populated by Bergens, mm. which are massive ogre-like creatures and the trolls are about two inches tall. Okay. Once a year the Bergens have a tradition like uh, oh, what's it called? Trolls giving or troll liberation or something like that where in order to experience happiness because they're a generally miserable race they eat a troll. And Dark. Yeah, very mm. dark. And on the day of the mm. latest trollversary or whatever it's called the trolls led by King Peppy with the voice of Jeffrey Tambor stage an exodus <laughs> and flee the Bergen village and go into hiding in the nearby forest where they thrive for 20 years before they are discovered one day by the evil troll chef 
played by Christine Baranski, and a bunch of them are... You, yeah, weirdly, the character design also strangely looks an awful lot like Christine Baranski, which is yeah. terrifying in all the wrong ways. Um, a They're bunch, both in The Grinch as well. They are, yeah, they, yeah. They are yeah, hmm. I thought that as well. Uh, a bunch of the trolls are then in, are then captured and taken back to the Bergen village, so Bergenville, I think it's called, so that they can be eaten, and... King Peppy's daughter and heir to the throne, Princess Poppy, voiced by Anna Kendrick, must team up with an extreme survivalist troll named Branch, as the voice of Justin Timberlake, and they will set off to rescue their, their, their captured comrades. Here is a clip of the pair on their sort of buddy road movie journey type thing. Do you have to sing? in a good mood. Do you have to be in a good mood? Why wouldn't I be? By this time tomorrow, I'll be with all my friends. <laughs> oh, I wonder what they're doing right now. <gasps> Probably being digested. They're alive, Branch. I know it. You don't know anything, Poppy. And I can't wait to see the look on your face when you realize the world isn't all cupcakes and rainbows. Because it isn't. Hey, I know it's not all cupcakes and rainbows, but I'd rather go through life thinking that it mostly is instead of being like you. You don't sing, you don't dance. So gray all the time. What happened to you? Shh. A Bergen. Maybe. There's no Bergen, is there? You just said that so I'd stop talking. Maybe. This is actually quite funny at times. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's a far, as far as established brands being resurrected for uh, films goes, mm. this is definitely one of the slightly better ones. This is a lot better than the Smurfs franchise, for instance. It's not quite as good as Peabody and Sherman. Um, which is, See, that didn't really take off, did it? Didn't it didn't take off sort of financially, but I, I think I that's the high it. watermark, because that's a very, very funny film. It was, like you said. So much, yeah, so was, much better. It was so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, this is, on the quality spectrum, this is about as good as Angry Birds. That, okay. That's what I would say, although it's skewed an awful lot younger. Mm. Um, the voice cast are all pretty fun. You've got, you know, Jackson It's who Tambor you would expect, I guess. It is. Yeah. There's got, you know, you've got your James Cordens, you've got Russell Brand, you've mm. got uh, Christopher Minsplatz, you've got mm. Zoe Deschanel, who I couldn't recognise, actually, strangely. Really? I think she's got quite a distinctive voice. I would have thought that as well, but does, I kind of didn't. Does she it. sing in this? Uh, yes, she yeah. does. Um, everybody sings everybody in this, sings. and that's the thing with it. It's got a, un, just an uncompromisingly sunny disposition. It's a very up movie mm. a very upbeat very lively energetic colorful film to the extent of it can actually come across as quite nauseating if you're not willing to get on board with it now i was i i, I sat myself down thought do you know what i'm, I'm giving myself over yeah. take it away and they, they were they were fine I, I i got into it i got into the, the toe tapping soundtrack and the disco moves and all that stuff and i i had a lot of fun with mm. it I was in a public talker screening for this one, though, uh, so there were actually children around. There is a point in the third act when they give up the musical theatrics for two minutes, and the kids did noticeably, <laughs> rather audibly, get bored. Right. And the film... Just switched off. Yeah, the yeah. film brought them back, but there is just a point in the third act when the kids did start to... Just, their attention wandered because it, it just got a bit talky. And it was, it was all about the emotions at that stage in the plot. I liked it, though. I mean, I, I will say that. I did enjoy it. That's pretty cool. Right, I have a little bit of film news Go regarding everyone's favourite uh, winner of the best actor, Oscar. Go on, who you got for me? Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> oh, oh, is this the franchise I am desperate to see on the big screen? Yeah, so what super would you think he would be associated with? Uh, Tony Stark. In a perfect no. world. In a perfect world. In a perfect world. No. Uh, he's going to be producing a film about Captain Planet. I can't wait. <laughs> this is like the perfect meeting of producer and IP. Well, that, is... that and psychotic environmentalist. 
But that as well. That is, because he's got a documentary on the way out at the moment, hasn't he? A, a, an environmental documentary that's yeah. out at the moment. I forget the title. Uh, it's, it's Trent, uh, Trent Reznor's done the soundtrack for it. Yes. Well. Mm. Well, this, I can't wait for this movie, because I'm, I'm amazed this hasn't become a movie uh, sooner. They've tried. They've tried so hard. Because the animated series in the 90s had, like, Whoopi Goldberg was a regular on it. Mm. LeVar Burton was a regular on it. Yeah, absolutely. And when your powers combine, I <laughs> am Captain Planet. There was, a, there was a skit online. I think it was on Funny or Die. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle's oh, Captain Planet. If you've and not seen Captain it, Planet goes a bit rogue. Yeah. If you've not seen it, check it out. We should it finish the uh, the top ten really quickly, though. I'm up for that. We're pushing for time, so let's let's get the top ten finished. Number five. Bridget Jones's baby. It's going down. I guess mm. this baby is unwanted. But, uh, you know, it's it's funny enough. It, it's, it's funny enough. I laughed a few times. Uh, some yeah. of the jokes were a bit uh, <laughs> sort it's, of out of their time. It's been around for five weeks. Yeah. We're not going to have it for nine months. That's the thing. It, it's a girls' night movie. And really, it's a successful enough one, I, I yeah. guess. So what more do you need from it? Number four. Miss Saigon. Have you seen it? I've, I've seen Madame Butterfly. Seen We've Mar- had this conversation I, before. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Not, we, don't, we don't really get press shown the opera stuff. So uh, uh, Apparently there's going to be a film uh, by Danny Boyle, the, uh, like an adaptation of this. Of, of Miss Saigon. Of Miss Saigon. Oh, fair enough then. Mm. Number three. Storks, which you saw last week. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't blown away by this. It's a, a feeling of it being really average all the way through. There were a couple of laughs, nothing amazing. The voice cast were fine, but the characters weren't really all there. It was overcomplicated for what it needed to be, which is basically a buddy or you know a mismatched buddy road movie. Mm. You know, rather like Trolls in some regards, but Trolls okay. does it a lot better. Um, wasn't overly sold on it. Number two. Dan Brown is not a good writer. The Da Vinci Code is not literature. Dan Brown writes sentences like... The famous man looked at the red cup. (laughs) And this one isn't much better. Uh, Inferno. Uh, No, because it's an airport novel that's become an in-flight movie. It might seriously be a contender for one of the worst things Ron Howard has ever put his name to. Tom Hanks... And he directed The Dilemma. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Tom Hanks is basically asleep in this. Felicity Jones can't seem to, to play it. Right. Yeah. Um, ben Foster falls off something. Ben Foster falls off something. And then there's Irfan Khan in the middle of it all having the time of his life. So you know what? Good for you, Irfan. Good for you. You you deserve it, buddy. You have some fun with this because no one else is. Number one. The girl on the train. She's still on the train. She's chugging She's along. She's still there. <laughs> but, and this does come off the rails because, frankly, it does not narratively work as a film. It plays like a novel and mm. that doesn't translate to a worthwhile cinematic experience. No, you can see why the film has been made. You can, like, obviously, yeah. yeah. Gone, it, Gone Girl it was, Cash. Yeah, yeah, it was fast-tracked because of Gone Girl. It's even come out pretty much the same time that Gone Girl did. That's it. I mean, Emily Blunt's great in it. Uh, Luke Evans is very... In fact, the whole cast are, are more or less mm. great in it. Um, I had some slight issues with Alice and Janie's performance, not because it was a bad performance, but because I thought it was tonally ill-fitting. Um, Alice and Janie, terrific actress and all, but I don't think the film works very well. As a sort of phoned-in Gone Girl riff, it doesn't, it doesn't fly. And frankly, you come away from it thinking, yeah, cast are all good, but I'd really rather have been watching Gone Girl. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. I do overdo the dice. I'm sorry, I do. I'm like Seth Rogen. In it's that okay. Regard. I'm going to try and catch the dice next week. <laughs> Fair enough. In my dance moves. 
<laughs> so what we got next? Should we look at uh, Ouija next? Is it Ouija yeah. or Ouija? I can never remember. Well, in the intro I said Ouija, so yeah, we'll just stick, stick with, with Ouija. Ouija. We with it, Ouija. It might be a Ouija next week. Okay, so Ouija Origin of Evil, which is the prequel nobody asked for, the sequel mm. nobody asked for, and the continuation of a franchise nobody cares about. So... This is a sequel because I. It's a sequel. I prequel. thought it, it was a. Oh right. It is a prequel. It's set in the 1960s. Okay. And you've got director Mike Flanagan who gave us Oculus and Hush. Uh, oh, I saw Hush. You saw, I, I know saw you saw Hush. Hush. Yeah. I don't know anything about that one. I need I, to watch I that. I quite enjoyed Hush. Yeah, I remember yeah. you saying watch that and don't breathe together. That was what mm. we were saying, and I said let's introduce intruders to that as well, and yes. we'll have like a triple bill. We should do that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Which, which what's your favorite one? Is it the way, the way back, the way, the way, way back? <laughs> yeah, the way, the way back, the way, way back. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's your one. Um. <laughs> I like that one. So uh, this is Mike Flanagan who gave us Oculus and Hush has stepped up this time. He's filling in for director. He's also co-written this with Jeff Howard, and what you've got is a 1967 prequel about a, uh, a recently bereaved family. They've lost the father sometime before the film begins. Uh, Elizabeth Reese from Twilight is the mum. You've got two young daughters. One is basically a teenager. The other one is a sort of pre-tween a, a tween, as it were. Pre-tween. Mm. Pre-tween we'll say. And uh, what you have is the youngest daughter, Doris. In this family, by the way, make their living. They eke out a living as fraudulent psychics. She gives psychic readings. In, she gives psychic readings in her, in her den, as it were. Mm. The young daughter discovers a Ouija game board and uses it secretly to contact her deceased father. However, can you guess what goes and happens, Case? Can you can you can you imagine? I imagine it all goes a little bit. It wrong. all goes a little bit supernaturally mm. pear-shaped, as it were. Malevolent spirits try to find their way into our world through through Doris herself. And of course, the family are forced to confront not only their own past, but the supernatural itself in order to well, basically, survive. Here's a clip of them discovering quite what's going on. She knew things. Things only Roger and I knew. I, I asked... You asked about things that happened inside the house. Things that you and Dad said and did after you moved in. Of course they knew all of the answers. They were here and the house even then. They were watching. So we move. We get her out of the house. The problem isn't the house. Not anymore. I've called the Archdiocese. The Vatican has people who investigate these things. I'll ask them to approve an exorcism. Shh, shh, don't say anything else. They were watching us all those years inside the house, everything we did. That means they're watching us now. Here's the fun with this, right? This this actually is that, that one of those cases of the sequel is infinitely better than the first one. Mm. You've got a director who knows that he's not going to get the chance to bring anything amazing to the to the narrative of this. It is a by-the-numbers exorcist riff. However, he's made peace with that, and what he's done is say, you know what? Here's some here's some characters who are actually characters. Here's some decent performances behind those characters, and we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna have some frights. The end. Yeah, yeah. He's sounding like he's making the best out of the situation, but he's in, and it uh, is. He's he's got some money to play with. Well, that's it. It's, it's a nine million dollar really horror have, film, but that's way more than Hirsch and more yeah. than Oculus as well. well. That's it. I mean, it's yeah. a nine million dollar horror film that's largely set within a single house, mm. and it works. The performances are great. Those characters are genuinely interesting. They are investable. You've got a great performance from uh, the young actress who plays uh, Doris. Um, Elizabeth Reese is a compelling enough lead, and the girl who plays the middle child is the young Karen Gillan from Oculus. 
Oh, as really? well, yeah. yeah. Um, you've got a character, Father Tom, who's a little bit of a wet blanket when you stack him against the female cast. But, you know, the thing is that the performances otherwise are so good that they kind of overshadow that. They more than make up for it. It is the most fun you ever expected you would have with a sequel prequel that nobody ever wanted. It's the kind of thing that makes you wish they'd done more with the with the Huntsman Winter's War, <laughs> which is another universe. <laughs> did nothing with well, that no. film. But that also was a sequel prequel hybrid from Universe. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot more than I expected. I came away and went, actually, blimey, that was actually kind of fun. Do you think your expectations were just so low that you would have been happy if it was just it was a film? I feel like if you had shown me that sight unseen, my response mm. would have been, that was a lot of fun. And okay. and I'm 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 quite content with that. Uh, let's move on to the last review of the week, though. Mm, yeah, I've heard pretty good things about this. This right, yeah. I had as well. Went into it. I was a little bit let down, if I'm honest, but I'll I'll elaborate. You'll get to that. Queen of Catway, uh, which is latest from Miranea. Miranea, I think her name is, um, who has basically brought this this tale of the young. And this is a true story. This is a Ugandan chess prodigy, um, Fiona. Her name is, and she is discovered. She lives in absolute poverty. She is discovered in. Her, her local sort of chess class by her teacher, who's played in this in this uh, telling by uh, David Oyelowo, and uh, becomes a, a, a chess world star, as it were, from this rags to riches background. But as her success increases, her mindset starts to become slightly spoilt, as it were, and we see the effect this has on not only herself, not only her expectations of the world, but also on the family she keeps leaving behind. Uh, we have a clip. You could win at Rabishin. You could be the best in all Uganda. Do you know what that would mean for Katwe? Perhaps one day an international champion. Good. Why are you shining me? Me, I'm not shining you. Only champions can see that many variations. What is preventing you from being a grandmaster? I do not know about being a grandmaster. Sometimes the place you are used to is not the place you belong. You belong where you believe you belong. Is that for you, Fiona? Right, this has a couple of noticeable stumbling blocks. Firstly, uh, William Wheeler's screenplay for this doesn't quite inject enough likability into it all. You kind of feel like what you really wanted, given that it's Disney, was them to do cool runnings with chess. Mm. And that, actually, that that's an intriguing setup. I kind of like that idea because we, we, we cling on to cool runnings because it has the, one of the best tones of any underdog sports biopic you've ever seen. It manages to be utterly hilarious and there's some amazing dramatic There is, isn't there? And that's the thing, that perfectly balances the drama Mm. with the comedy. Yeah, Disney are a bit weird for them, aren't they? They are. They'll do films like this in Million Dollar Arm as well as doing their live action. That's it right there. This is Million Dollar Arm again. Mm. And that's kind of a problem because Million Dollar Arm wasn't particularly interesting. Well acted, not particularly interesting. Yeah, I'll I'll do it. I did enjoy it, the story. Yeah, Yeah, this is what you've got again. Well acted, not particularly interesting. It takes about half of its runtime to get to the story it really wants to tell, to get the story to the place where it starts to really flow. But until then, it feels kind of awkward and a little bit clumsy. It, I, I know that the obvious intent with something like this is to come out with an Oscar, but Oscar bait, come out with something that, that's going to sweep the awards. This really isn't it. And fortunately, this is more million-dollar arm than Cool Runnings. And that's kind of a problem. I mean, the performances are terrific. Absolutely terrific. Cannot fault them whatsoever. Uh, David Oyelowo, terrific. Absolutely loved him in this. Um, Medina Nawanga as the as the young central figure, Fiona, mm. 
absolutely terrific. And your lady, Blue Peter Nyong'o. Blue Peter Nyong'o. Blue Peter Nyong'o. <laughs> Do you know, she's great in this. She really is. And for the very first time, I actually saw the star appeal in, in Blue Peter Nyong'o. I really that, like it. That everyone tells me she has. So she, she plays the lead character's mother. She does, yeah. yeah. She, and she is the parent figure of the whole story. I, I did get, for the very first time, a glimpse of that star quality that everyone gave her, gave her props for. She won the Oscar, didn't she? She did, yeah. She won the Oscar for, for uh, 12, 12 years. 12 years, yeah. Yeah. I got that for the very first time. She's great. I finally understood it. And yes, I mean, I, I still prefer her as uh, Masconata, but uh, that's, that's just my own personal. But you're wrong. But let's move on. Not wrong, but still. It's a character whose eyes look like buttholes. How can you like that? <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. But so, Queen of Cutaway is not our film of the week. Uh, I'm going to give our film of the week. I think actually, I, I never thought I would say this to Ouija. To Ouija really? origin. Of, I am genuinely giving. Oh, actually, no, no, tell a lie. No, that's completely wrong. I, I Daniel, Daniel Blake. Blake. Yeah, I Daniel Blake's <laughs> film of the week. However, Ouija is the most fun you're going to have this week. So he's won the Palm Door and is our film of the week. Yeah, I babe. mean, two prestigious awards. The two biggest accolades that you could ever want. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot I Daniel Blake was out this week. <laughs> we just reviewed it 20 minutes ago. A real Mickey Mouse operation. We really yeah. are. Next yeah. week, some awesome stuff coming next week. So first and foremost, oh, Train to Busan is next week. Have you heard oh, really? of this? Yeah, I have heard yeah. of this. Yeah. This is going to be amazing. This is a South Korean zombie movie on a train. What should be more what, zombie what movies can go on a train? Uh, burn, 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 which is a British road movie. Um, has some surprising talent. I've heard about that. Julian Ryan Tut is one of its uh, oh, really? one of its stars, and uh, the ginger guy from Green Wing. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have the comedian's guide to survival next week. Someone's finally given Jay from the Inbetweeners his own movie, and it's, it has Jimmy <laughs> Carr in it. After he pops up in Popstar, yeah, it does. Yeah. Has Jimmy Carr in it and Omid Jalili as well. I love Omid Jalili. Yeah, so this could go He's either great. way. Uh, brace yourself because we're going to have so much fun with this. Lo and behold, the reveries of the connected world, Werner Herzog does technology. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. Wait. He's got two new docs out this year. He has. What a great year. He's, one of them is a Netflix one, isn't it? Is that uh, Into Inferno? the Inferno? Into yeah, the Inferno, yeah. I think. Uh, we have After Love, which is a French divorce dramedy. Could, yeah. could be interesting as well. We have Let's Be Evil, a British horror film starring Cara Toynton that's about augmented reality. This, that, that sounds interesting, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, we have Starfish, another British film. Not too familiar with this one. And there's this little indie film out <laughs> next week. It's, what's, what's, what's it called? It was Stars Chewy Tell you for and it, Tilda Swinton. Oh, it's a hardcore drama. Is it? It's Professor something. It's Professor Weird. Professor, Professor, Weird, Professor, Professor Oddball. <laughs> Professor Oddball. You know that Disney film that no one's heard of because they haven't marked it at all. Doctor Strange is near this next week. Oh, I never thought I'd be so excited to see Benedict Cumberbatch in the film. I know, me, me neither. It's just like this is going to be awesome. Benedict Cumberbatch is finally going to be an Avenger. This is great. Do you know what? Let's have a little bit of a talk about it in the podcast extras. Let's, let's indeed. Yeah. So, um, this has been a uh, Kenny Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been, as always, Case Allen. And we leave you with the news you've all been waiting for. Not only will there be a ride along three, but Ice Cube and Kevin Hart will return for it. We'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com.
podcast extras then, Mr. Allen. So where should we begin this week? I'm going to leave all the news to you, and, and I'll just pop up in between with reviews. Okay. So you know what? The floor is entirely yours. Ooh, Take I've it never away had the floor. Have the floor. The floor's, oh. the floor's all yours, baby. Feels, just, it feels good. It feels good to hold floor. the floor. Okay, let's start it. We had some news about uh, Gleason the senior. Oh, yes, yes. Let's talk about uh, Gleason the junior. You mean Donal? 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 Donal. Donal. Spelt Donal, pronounced Donal. Okay. Because he's, he's Irish. What massive franchise film has he gotten this time that no one's going to give him credit for? Peter Rabbit. Oh, of course, yes. yeah. So we've been talking about Peter Rabbit a little bit. Hasn't it got James Corden in it's it? It's got James Corden. It's got, I want to say, Rose Byrne. It has. Yes. It's also got um, uh, Daisy Ridley. Oh, where are you doing well. in this one? So, uh, Donald Gleeson is on board to be uh, the bad guy. The villain. The villain. Donald Gleeson. He's going to be villain. an evil farmer, which is what you want for a Peter Rabbit film. Well, actually, he was a villain in Star Wars, wasn't he? So, he was, but he wasn't in it that much. I, I hope that his character did, he did survive. He did survive. He, he did, did survive, survive, so hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll see him more. I hope he comes back. I really liked that villain, actually. But uh, Yeah, he's just... Yeah. He's about, snarling British guy. He was I, it, yeah. like the, the spit just flew out of his mouth yeah. as he screamed. He was such an intense villain. I loved him. He was just Grand Moff Tarkin, wasn't he? He was. Actually, he was. Yeah. But, but I liked that. You know, for one thing, I liked the idea that there are gingers Grand, in the Star Grand Wars Moore, universe. Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> need Grand Moff Tarkin. That's <laughs> uh, well, let's talk then real quick about Phantom Boy, uh, which is an animated film. I believe it's a French animated film, which we get this week uh, with an English dub. And uh, our English dub uh, comes with uh, an, an English dub cast accordingly. Mm. And boy, who, who have we got? Oh, you're going to love this because your villain is Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, uh, who gets militarised in this one? <laughs> oh, he, actually, he has a jigsaw face. His face looks like a Picasso painting. His name, his villain name is The Face. And uh, you have a That's cop, amazing. a cop, Lieutenant Alex, mm-hmm. voiced by Jared Padalecki from Supernatural. Okay. So, yeah, so Sam Winchester's or, gone animated. Or, or Dean from Gilmore Girls. Or, or Dean from Gilmore Girls. So weird. Team he's Dean. Dean. He's Dean in one, Sam in the other. I know. And yet his That's why I didn't carry on watching Supernatural. I couldn't get my head around that. <laughs> You've also got a voice cast which includes uh, Fred Armisen, by the way. I thought yeah. that might intrigue you. I do like Fred um, Armisen. This is the story about a young boy, a young boy with this, with uh, say a, a, an almost terminal affliction. It seems to be leukemia or cancer, who has learnt to astrally project. And when uh, the, the cop, Lieutenant Alex, is, um, is wounded in the line of duty, trying to catch this villain in the face, the young boy teaches him to astrally project and become the Phantom Boy. You know, and, and help him you know, save the day. It's um, there's really not that much to say on it, other than it's a really interesting uh, take on it. The animation's beautiful in it. It's very much in that way that the French seem to do so well. The French do this cell animation hmm. really, really well. Do you remember the Moomins one a couple of years course, ago? Yeah, yeah. This has that sort of animated tone that to, feel it. to it. And it's re- it's a really lovely, beautiful film to take in. Uh, mm. The voice cast for the English dub, you know, they, they they do it all really well. I mean, I couldn't even tell it was Padalecki for a while. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest, it took me half the film to remember how to pronounce his name. Cause I've Padalecki. Always just, I've just always jokingly called him Padawadalecki, but... <laughs> I just call him Dean. I just call him Jensen Buttons and Jared Padawadalecki. And <laughs> you Jensen Buttons. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how it goes. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is exactly as much fun as a villain as Vincent D'Onofrio can be mm. and I had a good time with it. I did really enjoy it. I thought it had enough spectacle and enough wonder to it. I don't think it's going to blow anyone's mind, but for the hardcore animation community, it's it, pretty good. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go on your shelf next to Kubo and the Two Strings, which, by the way, I got a press release for earlier. The home release is the first week of January. If you're interested, Do you know what? I was going to ask you about that. I can't yeah. wait to get film on Blu-ray. First week of January. 
Well, I think, no, sorry, the digital downloads the first week of January, the home releases, the, the otherwise home releases the week after, because that's what we do now. Cool. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, check it out. If you're really into your animation, check out Phantom. I've Bear. not heard about it until just now. Just now. You've sold me on it. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely check, check it, it out. out. And that's weird. We got screening links from the distributor, and I'm sure I sent it through to you. You send me a lot, <laughs> and I very rarely check my email. That's fair enough. Unless it's for a film that's like, you get oh my about God, I must see five it. movies a week from me. But I know, uh, and I've I've also got Netflix and Amazon, <laughs> yeah, and Vimeo, which is what they send us all these films on. Yeah, it's but... just an embarrassment of riches for me to get entertained. <laughs> it's weird, weirder when you look at your Vimeo watch later queue, and it's basically every independent film for the last year. I know it, it makes me seem a lot more cultured than what I it actually does it, am, doesn't it? Yeah, but uh, we get all sorts on there as well. We get broad comedies and uh, the, the comedian's guide to survival which is next week we have that have on we our queue that? we've got that on our queue now well that, that does sound i've just been reading about that so that does sound interesting i am gonna check that well, you've got it on your vimeo queue there you go <laughs> <laughs> I've got no excuse at all no excuse okay case. so this is a film but i am not going to be missing what's that you're gonna see it as well uh deadpool 2 oh deadpool 2 right okay so there was a thing the other day he did a video didn't he celebrating it had won some award or something the first film yeah well, i've not actually seen that video. i've not seen the video no, he's, he's celebrating this. the fact that it's won an award by going back into character. It's something and, about his marketing, I believe. Yeah. Because the marketing for Deadpool the first yeah. was so good. It was, it wasn't was it? Genius. Skull, it was genius. Skull poople. Skull poople. Skull poople. Because that was what they did with the emojis. Skull, yeah. poop, and L. And, and they bought a couple of billboards in LA and everyone driving on the freeway saw it and mm. just, there. Yeah, skull poople. Took photos, put it on Twitter. That just did all the work for it. Hashtag skull poople, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, they're going to be casting uh, for the character of Domino. Oh, right now. Do you, do you know about I, Domino? I, I know vaguely of Domino. I'm not overly not overly familiar. I, I, I read Deadpool about ten years ago. I was a big okay. fan of. Uh, there was a miniseries called Cable and Deadpool, and I yes. read that more than anything. Okay, well, Cable is another character that they are cast for. That's the bit of that casting I'm looking for. But go on. I'm looking for that, but I've got some updates about uh, the character of Domino. Haven't they? They've narrowed it down to a handful of actresses, haven't they? They have uh, a few. I really really like a few. I'm not got? too keen on. Okay, the ones I I'd be completely on board with. Go on. Uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, yes. Because she, uh, she did uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane recently. She did, yeah. Oh, she was great in that. She's had a TV show as well recently called Brain Dead. Uh, Brain Dead, yes. I, I really need to see that. It sounds like uh, They Live crossed with the West Wing. It, it is. That's exactly what that's, it is. I watched about three so episodes good. of it. I've got the rest was, to watch. Was, was it good? Have you it, enjoyed it, it? it was pretty decent, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. So who else is on the. Who else uh, is on the. Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie. Oh, I like I Lizzie Kaplan. As the sexy CIA agent in the interview. I liked her in that. Mm. Masters yeah. of Sex. She's really good in that. Yeah, I've never watched an episode of Masters of Sex. I've only seen a few, but yeah. She's and, great and, which is strange, because given what a galactically sized pervert I am, you'd think I would be all oh, on huge. Masters huge. of Sex. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Sienna Miller. Nah. No, nah, don't care. If they're going to put her back in G.I. Joe mode, where she had the cat suit and the dark hair and the glasses, I'm totally on board, but... But maybe Lizzie Kaplan. Oh, Liz, yeah, Lizzie Kaplan yeah, first. Yeah, 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 go with it. Uh, Sophia Botella, Sophia. who I always want to call Sophia Nutella. I keep running into Sophia Botella. Have I told you this? Just out and about. Just No, no, always at the same place, uh, the Soho Townhouse. I come, she's always sat outside the Soho townhouse with her with her mates, and I keep running into her. Maybe she lives in London. Maybe she's filming in London. <laughs> Quite is, possibly. Is, is my mummy still filming? Uh, or have I don't know. Because I think that was filming in London, a little bit at least. It was a while back. I don't know if it's still filming or not, but carry on. No, who else have we got? Okay, a couple more. Uh, Mackenzie Davis. Oh, I, I do like Mackenzie really Davis. Mackenzie She's Davis. Got, have you seen Halt and Catch, Halt and Catch yes. Fire? She's amazing She's in great. That. She was great in The Martian. Yeah. I can totally see that. Absolutely. Uh, Ruby Rose. 
Oh, oh yeah. Actually, Ruby Rose fits the anarchic Deadpool tone brilliantly. Actually, I feel like that's really obvious, bro. Depending on when they're going to cast that, I have a feeling that the marketing for John Wick Two and Triple X Return of Xander Cage will will do that job for her because she's got two massive action, two massive action franchise films Mm. within the next three months. Would she be right? We've just been pigeonholed for that character, though. I don't think she's got much of an issue with it, to be honest. I mean, let's she be honest. She good with a gun. Her whole shtick seems to be... It's like hey, Michelle Rodriguez, isn't it? Yeah, her whole shtick seems to be, I'm an incredibly photogenic, slightly androgynous sex object. Yeah, you know, look at my spiky black hair. Yeah, look at my spiky black hair and yeah, my pouch. I, th- I think she'll work. I think she'll work in the way that Benedict Cumberbatch will work for Doctor Strange. Yeah. But I don't think she's necessarily the best. I the do best feel character. like best. if if you were yeah, describing Ruby Rose to someone who didn't know who she was, and you just said, that winking gif... They would that know one. who you want about. Yeah, yeah you know exactly. the winking. Have you, how many like, times oh, have you yeah. been sent the winking gif? Oh, a couple of times. Yeah, a couple, a couple of, times. of times. That's what she's known for. Yeah, but, but uh, uh, yeah. So they're, they're the ones uh, who are currently up for the character of Domino. Um, there's been no official word about Cable. Oh, there are really some rumors want... though. Okay, so two rumors I've heard. Go on. Who you got? First of all, I'll go with a big name, mm-hmm. Liam Neeson. Yeah, kind of see that. Cable isn't Irish, and I've never yeah. wanted Liam Neeson be anyone <laughs> other than Irish, even when it's supposed to be a. It's Fox, though. Fox love Liam Neeson for their action movies. You know yeah. this. Yeah. So who else? Who's, who's our other candidate? I really like this. Go on. Kyle Chandler. Cut it. Yes, I heard that one as well. I really like that. Oh, I don't because know. Because he's, he's broad enough. He can be aged to look like Cable. Mm. He's got the kind of gruffness that you would need. And yeah. he's a better actor than, say, Stephen Lang. And I like Stephen Lang. But... I like Stephen Lang, but you know yeah. who I want to be Cable? Ron Kurt Perlman? Russell. Kurt oh, Russell, we can't man. get Kurt Russell. I feel like he could do it. I know he's got his whole Guardians thing he's, going he's on with Marvel proper. He's got ego of a living planet. But, uh, but I feel like he could be a great cable. Before we do review of uh, Keeping It With The Joneses, let's just have a brief recap about the Guardians 2 trailer. Yeah, Jones. let's talk about let's it. Let's just this, talk this about minute, that. This minute, 37-second long it's a tease. tease. It's a tease. Which did, did a more effective job of marketing its film in 97 seconds with only really two lines of dialogue yeah. than the entirety of... Let's pick a name out of a hat, for example, uh, the Batman Superman campaign, which showed you everything. I looked and, into your yeah. brain there, <laughs> and what I saw was the insignia of Batman Well, Superman. that or the Suicide Squad marketing campaign, which was, yeah. you know... Which was everywhere. Which was everywhere and promised you a film that you never got, yeah. and despite the fact that it was edited by its trailer people. And now you've got this wonderful teaser, which actually says, we know what you love about the first film... Mm. We're gonna tease you with more of that. We're gonna we're gonna tickle you slightly with that. Yeah, and, right and very show end. you nothing else. Right at the very end, though. Oh yeah, baby group, baby group, standing on Rocket's shoulder. <laughs> it's so good. Have, isn't have it? you seen the poster as well? Yeah. Debuted a poster. It's like a vinyl album cover, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's in black and white. Mm. Um, uh, Yondu is there as well. I do it's like that great. Yondu it's... and Nebula seem to be uh, members of the team. They now. are part of the Guardians. It yeah, seems. along so... with Mantis, but. Tellingly, Mantis isn't on the poster. Yes, there is that. Yeah, which is very cool. But my favourite part about it all, the tagline. The tagline for the first one was, <laughs> was you're welcome. Yes. The tagline for this one is, obviously. It's true. I also like <laughs> the brilliantly anarchic uh, logline in the trailer, which is, the galaxy ain't going to save itself. Yeah. Which obviously is a play on something so much darker and funnier. It is. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, right, okay. let's let's talk about something less funny then. Let's let's talk about keeping oh, up no. with the Joneses, and which is not the sequel to the Joneses, which annoys me because I would love to see a sequel to the Joneses. David Duchovny, David Duchovny, yeah. and Demi Moore, Amber Heard, and I forget who was the fake son. And- Kid. And, and a, kid. A, a boy. Kid, yeah. Uh, what you've kid got in. here then... Oh, hang on. Wasn't it that guy whose name I love to say wrong? But, uh, oh, oh Badge Penley. It is. It was Badge oh. Penley. Pen Badgley. Pen, Pen Badgley. Yeah. Pen Badgley, who I just keep calling Badge Penley. Um... <laughs> It makes as much sense, frankly. Get a proper name, like Case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you tell us, Cassius. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Cassius and Donovan, we're a pair. Aren't we just? <laughs> Aren't we just? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, this is not the sequel to The Joneses. This is, this is a suburban comedy, a sort of black comedy action romp set in the suburbs of Atlanta. Uh, follows a uh, sort of yeah, downtrodden middle-aged suburban court played by Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher. They, their kids go away for, for summer camp and they're left to, you know, basically enjoy themselves for the first time ever since they had kids. And they don't quite know how to do it. They have visions of the things they'd like to do, but they never follow through with them. Uh, they then get a pair of new neighbours who are like the perfect married couple. And they are played by John Hamm and Gal Gadot. And they are, you know, the, the couple who seemingly are perfect. They've got everything going for them. They can do whatever they like. They they drive the fancy cars. They dress like supermodels. And, you know, and they quickly befriend the couple. However, they're not all that they seem. And the wife, Isla Fisher, starts to suspect something isn't quite right mm. beneath the surface and quickly discovers, wouldn't you know it, they're CIA agents who have infiltrated suburbia for the purposes of a mission that the, that the couple are going to have to become involuntarily involved with. We have a clip of a sort of bonding session between the husbands. Here you go. Well, now, this is Jeff's first time, so... Uh, don't worry, we'll take good care of him, man. Right there, man. Thank you. Oh, I'll take uh, shade you. What? Yep. Yeah, two. Two? Yeah, whatever he's having. Two sejus coming up. I gotta tell you, Spice and I don't sit very well together. There's certain ramifications the next day, you know, toilet-wise, but... <laughs> this is not that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. Okay. All right. Look at all these little ethnic condiments. So cool. That is soy sauce. Soy sauce. Try this. Mm? Okay. Mmm. What is that? That looks like a snake. Shit, you man, snake one. That's real cobra. Do you have tab? There's a part of me that feels that uh, you know, the, you know the idea that Hollywood basically crafts certain films by committee now. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> you, you start to feel that, for instance, as regards Warner with the superhero films, because famously one of the stars of this is in three of them. But uh, yeah, this is very much a film that feels like it was fed into a computer program, went through an algorithm and was asked purely, can we just have a you know, middle-of-the-road action comedy, and can you just see what the program comes out with? And you get Keeping Up With The Joneses, mm. which is about as generic as you can get. Every moment in it seems lifted wholesale from another film. Zach, Galif- I mean, Zach Galifianakis makes for probably the least investable lead you've seen in one of these things yet. John Hamm continues his campaign of what must be the most bizarre career of any mainstream actor going. I, I really, I, you know, I would love to see an actual interview with John Hamm's agent. I would genuinely love to hmm. see that because his agent's remit seems to be just get me in any film that will have me. And you look at the body. But he can of, do so much better. Well, that's it. You look at the, his career post Mad Men and you just think, what the hell are you on? 
Because yeah. I don't understand any of these. Now, credit given to John Hamm, he's not bad. He's the best thing in this film. I'll give him that. Mm. He and Matt Walsh and the boss from Workaholics are the best things in this film. I love Matt Walsh. I love Matt Walsh. He's, he's great. great in Deep. this. And then you get to Isla Fisher, who's just sort of in this weird comedic limbo the whole time where she can't decide if she's cutesy funny or if she's some sort of, you know, unblossomed sex object. Or Yeah, I kind of found that about her in um, uh, Now You See Me. You, you get that all the time with her. Yeah. And and then you get to Gal Gadot, whom, I'm sorry, I, I've really tried with, her, with Gal Gadot. Right, her function in the Fast and Furious series was, do you know what? I don't have much dialogue, my, so my job is to be slightly mysterious and a little bit cool. I'm mostly here to look pretty and ride a motorcycle. Mm. And you know what? She was perfect for that. And then you got to Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman's function in Batman Superman was, I don't have much, much dialogue, my job here is to look pretty and hold a shield. And you thought... You know what? You're perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Here, she's actually given dialogue and actually has a character to play. And you know what? She's bloody awful. She cannot. Is that act. her or is that the dialogue? Where she's not. She she can't handle the most basic dialogue. She is just this talentless voice. She's basically just there to be this. Yeah, I find a, a, bit, a bit of an oddity, really, because I I do like her, but I can't think of anything that I've seen her in. You, you but just, I really like her in. She's crap in this. She's Weird. just crap. She is this talentless void. You haven't seen anybody look this good whilst being this rubbish since Emily Ratajkowski in hashtag Waif. We are your friends. Or Gone Girl. Or, or Gone Girl. Do you know what? She was better in Gone Girl than she was in Hashtag Wave. Give her a do. Mm. But, and uh, Gone Girl is great. And Gone Girl is great. But I tell you, by God. Actually, do you know what? It reminds you of that really awful role she had in Triple Nine. The film... Oh, yeah. yeah the film what about that Kevin Costner film that she was in as well? What was that one? Oh, Criminal. Criminal. Yeah, she was bad in that as yeah. well. Yeah, she's rubbish. The film's rubbish. The script is rubbish. He has absolutely no zeal as an yeah. action flick. What about uh, films a director and a Jim Rush lookalike, Greg Mottola? That's exactly what I was going to get to as well. It comes mm. from the director of Paul. Yeah, but not just that. Paul, Adventureland, and Superbad. Yeah. And Undeclared, which is a great series. Oh, I like yeah, Undeclared. Um, do you know, you just look at each and you think, I, it just this is very much a paycheck movie. This is very much an I've done this for the money. I've shown up as a 13-week shoot. We haven't even bothered to storyboard it. It's a very non-committal. It feels like nobody involved with it really gave much of a toss. It was it was just, it was a paycheck job. This is a mortgage payment to pretty much everyone except John Hamm, yeah. who is just continuing his crusade of, some, sooner or later, if I just keep throwing things at the wall, <laughs> something will stick and I'll find a niche. And the problem was, you know what, he had a niche for six years, six, seven years on Mad Men. And he was great. And, and it, it's over, and you feel like, I feel like we should just pack John Hamm away now. We're kind of done with him. And and that's that. No, Someone can't do that. John Hamm's great. You know what John just... Hamm would be good for? John Hamm would be absolutely terrific in a genre we simply don't get anymore, which is the early nineties for grown ups thrillers. He would be great at something. If, if you gave him a Gone Girl, I feel like you're just saying that because that's all we ever want. Well, that's all I want in a film. If I you want gave... a, I always want a grown up adult thriller. Yeah, if you gave him a Money Monster or a Gone Girl. Or, or a... He would have been great as the George Clooney character. Yeah. George Clooney was really good in it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He could have but... done something like that. Give him one. Can we get him an R-rated, proper hundred-minute thriller with a, with a decent name director and maybe one other star in it? Give him something like that, 
and he's great. The problem is, things like Million Dollar Arm, things like this, just simply don't work. He's not particularly... You know, this is not going to make him the star he so clearly wants to be. That's the director of The Joneses, as I told you last week, told me that John Hamm wanted the David Duchovny role. Yeah, but, that's really interesting. Yeah, which at the time he he couldn't have because he was a nobody. I think yeah. Mad Men had, was like two seasons in at that point. So it wasn't the Mad Men that we all know now. It wasn't the Mad Men we all know now. No one watched it at that point. I don't think anyone started watching Mad Men until the third so or fourth season. So we're going to call this film uh, Keeping Up With The Mortgage Payments? <laughs> keeping Up With The Mortgage Payments. Yeah. That's Keeping Up With The Bank Balance, I think, is is, is yeah. the real one. It's a shame. It. Like I didn't have a special high hopes for that film, but I just oh. thought it was I thought it was going to be like a Weather Miller's. Quality. No, no. I, do you know what? I would have loved it if it had anywhere near the quality of We're the Millers. I would have been solely on board with that. I but, really enjoyed that film. No, nah, but I think with that, it's more. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis has got an instant chemistry with Jennifer Aniston of all people. Yeah, who'd have thunk that? Yeah, I like know. they seem to really work together in a film, which is odd. And Ed yeah. Helms was like nice and sleazy. Ed Helms That's the good. villain in that film was amazing. But you know, I'm I'm calling it a loss. I'm just I'm just I don't I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. Let them zip off. I'm not bothered. But you know, we've we had the trailer about two weeks ago for John Wick Chapter Two. Mm. So that we're now getting John Wick Chapter Three. Th- Has that already been greenlit? That's that's a thing. No, it's not that it's been greenlit. Lionsgate are pursuing it as an as something they want. The director of the of both the first two has turned around and said, "Look, if we can come up with an idea, you can have it. You can have it. You can have it if we have an idea, but." We don't want to rush it. We don't want to come up with an idea that doesn't work. Fine. Fair play. I can live with that. When is that scheduled to be released? John, John Wick, Wick is very early next year. Is it? John Wick 2 is, is that February? It's either January, February or March. It's the first three months of next year. I feel like it's aiming for the Deadpool slot. Which oh, yeah. Is February. And let's which be honest. Valentine's Day. It's going to be the breakout sequel. This, this is going to, We're going to get the Austin Powers effect. Where the first one was seen largely by people on home release. And as a result, the second one becomes a massive financial hit. And I think we're going to get that with John Wick 2. John Wick 2 is going to be huge when it opens. Hmm. Because all the people who saw the first one on DVD will go to the cinema we'll for the second that. one. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. It's the Austin Powers trap. That is totally going to happen. I just hope we don't get uh, Goldmember. You know, John Wick, Goldmember, which I just have... I don't see that happening. I feel like the two guys in charge... Yeah, yeah they've, they've got enough of a handle on the material. Speaking of over-egged franchises that nobody needs, let's talk about J.K. Rowling. Yeah, okay, yeah. so there is going to be <laughs> five, five, one, two, three, four, five of the Fantastic Beasts. Did you just go Eddie Murphy doing Bill Cosby? One, two, three, four, five! Yeah. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five! <laughs> I have five children! One, two, three, four, five! <laughs> What's, that's from Raw, isn't it? It's from Raw. When he's complaining about... <laughs> you cannot say flinging fire and filth in front of people. So he goes to his mother and he asks for money for a ticket. <laughs> I said, money, can I have a money? Well, I gave her the money for the ticket. We got McDonald's. I'm going to uh, eat. I love it. Eddie Murphy Raw. I mean, it's... Raw is my favourite. I love I mean, Delirious. It's completely unacceptable in certain political political, political correctness circles now, but... Uh, yeah. Well, in any political correctness circle now. I mean, uh, yeah, probably the only part of that show you could talk about now would be the... The McDonald's bit. Either the McDonald's bit or the uh, Italians gonna go see Rocky. And even that, I don't know that that one. I don't think you can pull off now. I don't, think <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but Rocky wins again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're gonna get five Fantastic Beasts and where to find them movies. Um, although d- that means, unfortunately, we're gonna have to wait slightly longer for the uh, inevitable two-part Cursed Child adaptation, which we're clearly gonna get when this series is over. 
That's true. That is happening. Maybe we're just kind of treading water until the three characters are of age. Of age and yeah. desperate enough for the work. And you know, Daniel Radcliffe is doing well. Daniel Radcliffe's doing well. He's, Emma he's Watson seems to have uh, something of a frequent flyer pass to the UN. And uh, Rupert Grant spends his days telling people, no, no, I'm not Ed Sheeran. So, you know, there's that. There's that. I've never seen him in the same room at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying Rupert Grant is Ed Sheeran. I'm just saying... I've never seen them at the same time in the same space. So, uh, so okay, Ooh. go on. No, I was, I was just, I was going to set you up, but you carry on. I've got the weirdest news for you. Um, I love weird news. Blumhouse, you know, mm. we, we know them for their uh, their, their micro budget horror series. Uh, <clears throat> they've got like, is it Insidious? They've got and Sinister. They've got, they've got those they've got two those guys. Yeah. Uh, did they do the Purge movies as well? I want to say, I want yeah. to say, yes. and they've also they've done. The last uh, film by M. Night. Oh, uh, the new film by M. Night as well. Well, they're, they're, they're doing Split. something a little different now. They're doing What's a TV this? miniseries, and uh, okay. I bet you'll never guess what this is going to be about. It's going to be a reboot of Golden Girls. Of Golden Girls? Yeah, that's, that's totally what it is. It's going to be Helen Mirren and Judi Dench and uh, Maggie Smith. You tell Smith. me you wouldn't sell your dog <laughs> to see that. <laughs> I think you know I love my dog more than life itself. <laughs> but not more than Helen Mirren. <laughs> They are, they are doing a miniseries about former Fox News chairman Roger Ailes. This is actually a thing that's happening. And I, my, bet, I bet Ryan Murphy is kicking himself. Oh, yeah, and my only that. question is, uh, when are you announcing Richard Dreyfuss for this role? And <laughs> Get him to play all the sleaze bags. That's it. First made off, now Ailes. <laughs> this, needs to be, this needs to be Richard Dreyfuss, so clearly. It needs to be. Oh, man. But, yeah, I think that could be awesome. I That's could cool. I totally get on board with that. That sounds awesome. A um, Jails miniseries. There's going to be uh, a new uh, season of American Crime Story, obviously. And there is, yes. Yeah. Uh, season two was announced a while ago. It's going to be about... Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane isn't Katrina. it? Yeah. The new one, um, the Johnny one. Versace. Yeah, I heard yeah. this. Apparently they want a big-name actress to be uh, Donatella. Yeah. So I wonder who you'd get for that. Lady Gaga. It's going to be Lady Gaga, isn't it? It's going to be. It clearly is. It's going to be Lady Gaga, as Don't Tell the Search. I think we all know that one coming up. Mm. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Old Birth of a Nation. That's not opened here yet. No, um, it's not done as well as everyone thought it was going to do in America. Um, I know know a fair few people that caught it at LFF. Yeah. And a lot of them were very disappointed, and a lot of them were a bit worn out by it. Apparently, it is on track to lose 10 million. That's insane, isn't it? Will you tell me? Because I've caught bits of the story here and there. What is the controversy behind this? The idea is that Nate Parker, who has written and directed this... Yep. And also stars in it. Yeah, and uh, produced it and wrote and sang the theme tune as well. He did. Wrote the theme tune, sang the theme tune. Yeah. Well, the idea is, I think, he was accused of, but cleared of, rape at college when he was yeah, at college. Yeah, so way back in the early 90s. Way back in the yeah. early 90s. And it's now come up, and it's somehow affecting this film. Yes. So... Essentially. Oh, well, really? basically, the lady that was accusing him, mm-hmm. and then was... Claims were then thrown out of court. Yeah, um, she uh, committed suicide. Ah. I think about well, it's it's not even recent. It was about four years ago. Four years ago, four I think I remember that ago. somewhere. Yeah. And that has only just come to light. The fact that she's now passed away. But the, it does make the question of what does one have to do with t'other? But it's any kind of controversy. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Because this was shaping up to be a and real it's, Oscar it's, contender. It's not wasn't just it? him as well. It's his uh, producing partner who was also <laughs> accused. Oh, wow. Okay, it, so Oscar I mean, gone down the pan, then. It was at Sundance. I forget who bought it. Was it Fox Searchlight? Fox Searchlight, have it, And yeah. they, they put down something like 17, 18 million, which is the highest bid that's ever happened at Sundance to distribute a film. It was an impre- It was meant to be an impressive release when yeah, it was screened. It was that in uh, Manchester by the Sea. 
that were sold for like a ridiculous amount of money oh, by, yeah, by the standards of, of Sundance. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, looks like it's not going to pay off for them. But I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to see the film just because it looks like an interesting story. It does. It does look interesting. I'm if intrigued. Anything else, by I want to see Army Hammer in that kind of a tale because I've <laughs> never true, seen it? him do anything like that before. I want to talk then about Sunita. Uh, it's our final film of the week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which is, I, I, do you know, I've just been referring to this as the Iranian Eight Mile because this is a documentary uh, from Roxera uh, Gamagani. And uh, this follows um, an 18 year 17, 18 year old. Does it actually say her age on here? No, it doesn't. Um, Afghani refugee who is, is in Iran and is basically being, fo- being being sold off as a bride by her family and really, really wants a way out of this life. She actually wants to be a rapper. So right. she struggles to pay the rent. She, she struggles to uh, become anything other than what society is telling her in this. And along the way, uh, the documentary maker behind this basically says, do you know what? I'll pay for the music video. She does. She pays for the music video. It goes on YouTube. It becomes a massive hit. It is a song. Of, she releases a track that's actually about the subjugation of women in this culture. And it catches on online. She becomes something of an inspiration. And it fields her a scholarship offer from a school in the US. Of course, the problem then becomes if she leaves uh, Iran and she actually goes to the US, she'll never be allowed back in. And it becomes the pursuit of your dream at the cost of you know your family etc and it's a really really interesting uh really interesting in project i was gripped by it i mean it's it's interesting that for the first half the director sort of does the thing that all documentary makers should do which is you know step back don't involve yourself in the world but there is this emotional resonance that builds builds up towards the middle half of it where she just feels, do you know what? I have to get involved. This girl is getting nowhere. I'm going to make this happen for her. And what you then get is actually a very different film. You you have a struggling, and then I can't watch the struggling anymore. I'm going to inject myself, and she does. And the results then become the 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 meat of the narrative from that point. And it is interesting. And she quite clearly is a very talented girl. And I was I was very intrigued by the reality of the story, which say we get put forward here. Um. It is an interesting story. Um, it is entirely subtitled as well. Um, it, it, it's quite inspirational. It's very much of our time. It's very much of the subjugation of women. Being a sort of feminist-driven tale mm. now about subjugation of women in certain parts of the world, it has a, 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 an emotional resonance that I think is very much needed in our day and time. Sort of. I liked it. I liked it yeah, a lot. it sounds very interesting. Pretty I mean, interesting I mean, it's not as fun as 8 Mile, I mean, to be fair. I mean, there's no mum spaghetti. But uh, you know, <laughs> there's no mum's spaghetti, but there is mum's bracelet. Apart so. from the chorus, that's like the only line I know. Really? <laughs> song, pretty much. I can I can pretty much quote you that entire song word for word. And that's going to be an entirely new podcast section. It, it, it is. It is. Okay, so um, it is. Uh, it's Viggo Mortensen's birthday. Is it Viggo Mortensen's? Is it Viggy yeah. Mort's birthday? Viggy Viggy the Mort's. Vigor Mortis. Isn't he about like 55 or something? How do we not call him Vigor Mortis? I don't know. We're going to from now on, though. Um, Is he in his 50s, isn't he? He's 58. 58? This this is going to be a new game. Okay. It's also John Krasinski's birthday. Uh, How old? 25. He's not, is he? Go on. He's 37. 37. He's He's also got some fine bone structure. He's the new Jack Ryan. I know that much. Yeah, I'm weird looking forward to that. I am as well. I mean, did you see how he buffed up for 13 hours? I mean, God damn. That guy got ripped. Okay. Go on. Oh, Danny Boyle. Oh, Danny Boyle. Yeah. Go on, how old is Oh, Danny Boyle? This is a big one. Go on. He's 60. He's 60, Danny yeah. Boyle. And he's now going back to the well with train spotting too, or T2, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they were calling it T2, weren't they? Well, they were calling it T2. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, isn't there some interesting news for you, by the Go way? On. You know um, the, the controversy of Chinese releases? Mm. So Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters didn't get one because of its supernatural elements. Yes. Uh, Suicide Squad didn't get one because of its supernatural elements. And it was <laughs> And it was <laughs> um, <laughs> It didn't deserve one, did it? Well, have a, have a guess what he's getting a Chinese release. Doctor Strange. The good doctor. The good doctor. Yeah. Do you know how it's getting a Chinese release date? Here's the interesting part. Uh, through astral projections. Well, there is the astral projection part. But it's actually getting its Chinese release date because they race bent the ancient one. Oh. That's why. Because they did a little... <laughs> Clever girl, Marvel. Yes, they did a little race bending. So the ancient one in the comic comes from Tibet. Mm. Now the ancient one, because the ancient one's now a woman, is Celtic. And he's Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Because they have removed Tibet from the equation, I'm not sure if it's just an act of gratitude on the part of the Chinese government or what, but they, they're now allowing it through. And you're like, okay, wow, that's something I didn't quite I think expect. that whole quote-unquote controversy is just utter hogwash. It is. Well, yeah. Because if they'd have done the character like the character is in the books, there'd be more controversial remarks because it was so... Stereotypical. Well, yeah, basically. I you mean, can beat me on my accidental it, swear. It's fun. It, it, it's it's pie may, isn't it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. And no one wants pie may in a movie. Exactly. Again. But, yeah. uh, oh, do you know they're adapting Sinbad again? The comedian? No, not the comedian, although that would be great. Cause I, I do... How has Sinbad not played Sinbad in a film? I, I wonder about that. It just seems like natural casting, doesn't it? Yeah. My only question is, when we're getting a live-action film reboot of Sinbad as a series, my only question is, exactly how much money are they going to throw at Dwayne Johnson to get him in this? Because... They're going to have to print more money. Like, uh, I don't think there's enough money in the world now for Dwayne They're Johnson. They're going to have to develop a new bill, a mm. new uh, $2,000 bill, with uh, The Rock's <laughs> face on it. <laughs> So let's uh, let's talk then real quick um, about IMAX. IMAX is a thing we all love. IMAX. I've uh, I've been once or twice. Yeah. yeah. Warner Brothers have signed a new deal for IMAX. They're going to release twelve more of their movies, includes all the DC stuff. Yeah. Dunkirk, which was an obvious one, that was so clearly going to get in IMAX. It's pretty much all shot in IMAX. Christopher isn't it? Nolan. Yeah, yeah we're also going to get IMAX. Uh, Tomb Raider, Blade Runner two thousand forty nine, uh, Kong, Kong, Kong yeah. Godzilla two, uh, Ready Player One, Lego Batman, mm. Minecraft, and Fantastic Beasts. And Minecraft, we all seem to forget, is being made by Mac from uh, It's yeah. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which oh, is the weirdest... He's, he's tacking on some serious mass. Very true. <laughs> um, shall I leave yeah. you then this week with the just the, the most adorable news of all time? I love adorable news. Adorable news. Well, we're getting a certain film back in cinemas. I'm going to give you a hint. I believe I can fly. No, Robert, I believe you can pee. Space Jam is going back to cinemas for its 20th anniversary. Yes. I generally think I'm going to cry. Really? That's amazing. That's, Wait, it's happening. It's when? happening next month. Next month, for its 20th anniversary, Space Jam is coming back to cinemas. Uh, wow. Everybody get up. You know it's time to jam now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my I mean, God. This, this is as development, so expect some news on the sequel around the same time, because we've got LeBron and Justin LeBron Lin. LeBron was lined up, yeah. LeBron and Justin Lin are doing it, apparently. So, mm. you know, we've got that to come. And, yeah. So, you know, the film that ruined the radio waves for about a year with that song is coming back. So, have you been on their website, on the, on the original website? It's Space still Jam. up, isn't it? It's the original up. Space Jam website is still actually live. And wow, I mean, do you remember it was the biggest thing in the world? Yeah, I remember happened. being taken to see about the cinema and just having the best time. I remember Sheffield still had a Warner Brothers store at the time. And Warner Village. Yeah, well, the cinema in Meadowhall was still Warner Village. We still had a Warner Brothers store mm. crammed with Space Jam merchandise. See, that's what I want. I want merchandise in my cinemas. I don't want 
overcooked pasta. That's there is that. There is that. Although I went, to, I went to the Cineworld VIP screen for the first time to see Girl on a Train, and yeah. uh, actually I mean, quite I've, enjoyed I've the heard good things about. I enjoyed it, to the be fair. experience. I yeah. very much did. I just, Not, I, I don't know. I, I, I like going to. A, yeah, I, I think that's patrons for, in there for patrons. Yeah, yeah I would well. rather just go to like a restaurant or go somewhere for a burger first. Hey, I tell you what, though, you can't put a price on the joy of being able to hop out really quickly in the middle of a film, just grab three more hot dogs. Yeah, but why do you want to hop out of a film? I want hot dogs, man. That's why I want to hop out of a film. Take your hot dog in. You can't eat three hey, hot dogs. Hey, I did take a hot dog in with me. And then and you the, wanted more hot dogs. And then I wanted more. Uh, incidentally, they are smaller hot dogs. They're actually smaller sized. They, they've shrunk them for the VIP screen. Just, just FYI. Right. Just by... All right, you know what, Case? You're annoying me now. I believe I can fly. I instantly feel better. <laughs> you feel better now, don't you? Yeah, I want to feel even better. So, on that note, here is your moment of gauge. Soon there's going to be a knock on that door and you will be called outside. In the hall, there will be a man who outranks you. First, he'll compliment you on the fine job you've done, that you're making the world a safer place, that you're to receive a commendation and a promotion, and then he's going to tell you that I am to be released. You're going to protest. You'll probably threaten to resign. But in the end, I will be released. The reason I'll be released is the same reason you think I'll be convicted. I do rub shoulders with some of the most vile, sadistic men calling themselves leaders today. But some of those men are the enemies of your enemies. And while the biggest arms dealer in the world is your boss, the President of the United States, who ships more merchandise in a day than I do in a year. Sometimes it's embarrassing to have his fingerprints on the guns. Sometimes he needs a freelancer like me to supply forces he can't be seen supplying. So, you call me evil, but unfortunately for you, I'm a necessary evil. 